Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In the last number of years in Dublin particularly, that has been replaced because from my experience, loads of people hated that part mm. where they're standing at the top of the church and they're waiting there for a half an hour, 40 minutes, shaking hands with people they don't even know. Yeah. And all the families say, oh God, I don't want to do that. Welcome to Grief Encounters with me, Sasha Hamrog. And I'm Venetia Quick. We're a weekly podcast that looks at an issue that affects us all and yet remains so difficult to talk about. We'll be chatting to guests from all walks of life on the subject of death and all that comes with it. Our main aim is to motivate, comfort and create a modern space for people to share their own experiences. Could you think of someone that could benefit in listening? Tell them about Grief Encounters out every single Tuesday. On this week's episode of Grief Encounters, myself and Sasha are talking to Gus Nichols of Nichols Funeral Directors and Jonathan Stafford of Stafford's Funeral Homes. Now, from the very outset mm. of the podcast, aside from hearing people's stories, we wanted also to find a few episodes where we'd offer practical mm-hmm. advice that would hopefully prove resourceful and helpful to people who perhaps are stuck Mm. in the lovely situation of grief for the first time or if they're helping somebody and one of those things that we really wanted to do from the beginning was um, an episode on funerals yeah and you know I think in a way it's also cathartic for people who've experienced a funeral maybe recently or even one in the past because they just stay with you forever Mm. so looking back and maybe feeling like through this episode you might feel like you were a little less alone because of stuff like family arguments and all the different things that the guys talk about it so well because they, they they live this every single day. Um, one of the things that we talked about uh, afterwards, we we were all laughing about this, and it's terrible. But like when you pick up someone's ashes, yeah, they're, they're really really heavy. They're really really heavy. <laughs> yeah, which makes it a sense because yeah. I remember I carried my husband's ashes home. We went to pick them up, yeah, um, and then I went back to her house for a cup of tea. And then I carried them home from her house, which is about a kilometer and a half, and there was a rugby match on around the corner like an international mm. so the road was packed and everyone was walking on the street and I was walking oh, along God, one Karen. of my kids with a kid's scooter over my <laughs> oh, shoulder <God>. carrying, <laughs> carrying um, Martin's ashes oh, in a bag gosh. going these are bloody heavy <laughs> and these I are the things but it like, makes sense because yeah. he was a tall guy of course, like he was yeah. six foot one of course yeah. you know it's like but I think people think they're going to pick up this little tiny box yeah. and it's those kinds of things that they talk us through they talk us through an awful lot of different things as well about mm. some of the you know just some tips to make sure when you are sitting down on those first initial hours and days and you're looking at you're what's blur. ahead you're in a blur and 
look, I think it's so hard for everyone because most of the time you don't have a lot of experience. Why would you in that yeah. area? So it's a first time for everyone. Um, it can be intimidating, very intimidating. Who writes the eulogy? Who doesn't write the eulogy? Who delivers the eulogy? Yeah. Exactly. As well. And also Family things rise, like different ways to do it. And I think mm. that's what we love. Both I could see you and I really like kind of. Yeah. It's no longer the traditional way is the prescribed way to do it. There's different ways to do it now. 100%. And yeah. um, also, we should talk about this real quick before we start. It's just that you should start thinking about what you want. That and came out of this. And people know. I mean, mm. I think that came across quite yeah. a lot that if you do know, not only are you helping your family, because remember, this is your last big gig. This yeah. is your last big party. You know, don't you want it to be something Reflect that you, reflects yeah. you yeah. and your life and yeah. you've your songs and whatever way you want to have it. So I think this is quite and also I don't want people to be put off thinking that because we're talking about funerals, it's mm. all gloom doom. We actually had oh, a lot of laughs. Yeah, in this one. <laughs> it's it is it's actually probably one of the funniest episodes we've done. So, uh, yeah, enjoy. Whether a death is anticipated or if it happens all of a sudden, the amount of preparation that's involved in organizing the subsequent funeral can be shocking and it can be really, really overwhelming to someone close to the deceased. Since the beginning of this podcast, we really, really wanted to create an episode looking at the practicalities surrounding this, as it's something that's really rarely discussed. To help us do so, we are delighted today to be joined by Gus Nichols of Nichols Funeral Directors and Jonathan Stafford of Stafford Funeral Homes. Like I just said, we've been wanting to make this episode for a really long time, and I think it's for I think it's for people not only who have gone through this to kind of have that bit of catharsis to know that they're not the only ones, but also for people to think about their own mm-hmm. deaths and to think about what they would want. Because I think uh, what Venetia and I have talked a lot about is that after we lost people we loved our own mortality became something we actually started to think about. And we want that conversation to happen a little bit more so that people are aware of what they want. Thank you for for joining us. And I suppose the first question is, do you think it is important for people to start thinking about these things kind of long before their 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 time is coming? Yeah, as funeral directors myself and Gus, you know, we've often had conversations about this over the years. And like it makes everything so much, you know, it's terrible thing to say, but easier. Like if you have an idea, if you have a plan, you know what you want. It just, it's amazing. Whereas the confusion and the grief and the, the pure outpouring of just raw emotion makes decisions so much more difficult if, you know, if people don't know what they want to do. And it doesn't have to be very complicated. It can be a simple letter to, you know, attach to a will. And everyone should make a will, by the way. But uh, just, and it could be just a paragraph. I want mm. these five things and the rest you can sort out yourselves. Mm. And that even that's a great guide and help. You don't have to be drafting notices and yeah. designing totally agree, yeah. tributes. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I mean, it doesn't have to even be somebody that's in, in a position where they should be planning their funeral. It could be something just we could all do now as we go along, just... Mm write a little note and maybe tell people that's where it is. Even an email, you know, if you have that evidence to say, well, look, because families can be very, I would say, difficult, particularly at emotional times. So you have these arguments between different members of the family. And if somebody has a simple email, say, look, this is what they said. They said this in an email. Mm. It's very, you know, you can clearly see it's from them. That's what they wanted. Mm. And it can be, obviously the written note would be obviously better, but just as you said, if it's at a time in their lives where you just wouldn't expect them to die. Like I said to you earlier on, my mum 
just literally dropped dead 52 years of age but because she you know we were in the business we were in she used to tell me all the time yeah. the little things she wanted no I don't want this and I don't want an open coffin and I just want a single yeah. rose and you know so it really helped me Yeah, I mean it was very something actually that the, the Sunday before Martin died he saw an ad for the funeral director he wanted and he said oh if anything happens I want them wow. and I was like okay grand note to self not realising it would be so quick but there was other things like he didn't want to be made up afterwards he didn't want any makeup and I was sort of like grand okay we'll put shades on so but it's sort of it was you know it's little things like that don't you think us that are very very important to people I mean some people feel very strongly about that but they would never vocalise it to yeah. anybody close to them yeah and it it is not everybody mm. some people will just avoid the topic completely forever mm. and it's for someone else to sort out when the, when the sad day comes yeah you were just talking about planning on a practical sense there is a very good website called thinkahead.ie and it's produced by the Irish Hospice Foundation wow. and it's not just about funerals but yeah. that's one part mm. of it uh, it's it's a really easy to use way uh, use platform where you can record wishes on end of life mm. care finances where x y and z is and what mm. you want to happen and if people listening to this now feel that this is a good idea mm. and you don't want to necessarily go and see a solicitor or someone like Jonathan or me <laughs> just go online and have a look at thinkahead.ie it's actually mm. very good You mentioned um, some people don't want to talk about it and that mm. was my case with my parents they were young and they were they were dying and they didn't they just did not they just couldn't go there one area I found quite difficult was cremation versus burial to make that decision mm. is that is that kind of one that people who haven't made decisions yet comes uh, up quite a bit I think so yeah that would be the number one question oh no he never said or she never said like interesting enough again going back to from a personal point of view my grandfather was a funeral director for whatever 60 years or you know he started the business quite early and he died of cancer and he wouldn't discuss it and if anybody in the family had eight children if anybody brought it up at all very near the time he would take the head off them and now he did want to be buried because he'd bought his own grave but that's different and in fairness when he died cremation wasn't really that popular anyway but Mm. it is amazing the amount of people don't even have that one they should really that's one thing from this podcast Mm. really just even say that oh I'd like to be buried or cremated I've often had the situation where we have a family and one half wants burial and the other half wants cremation and usually you would probably or suggest maybe cremation because ashes can always go into a grave and you can record a name and a headstone but that doesn't suit everybody Um, on occasions where there is a complete breakdown and a dispute and disagreement the next question that Jonathan and I are asked is well there may be a wife or a husband here is there an executor because ultimately the executor will if asked, have to make the final decision. And on a practical level, sometimes we have to go down, we have to ask that question. Yeah, it is a huge thing, I think, cremation versus burial. But there's another, I think, extension to that as well, is if the person is cremated, what happens to the ashes? And who gets the ashes? And do they want to be divvied up? (laughs) Which I think becomes a huge problem, especially when perhaps it's a younger person and there's a family-in-law or that scenario. Should all that be planned? Do you... 
Yeah, and well, it, again, it depends on the particular family, it depends on the person involved, because as you know, some people would kind of look at it, well, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, you know, they're really not me, I'm gone, so don't mm. worry about it, I don't really mind, but then you do have the specific family, so it's brilliant if somebody said, like, again, going back to a personal point of view, my mum told exactly where she wanted mm. the ashes to go, we split the ashes, which I know the, the Catholic Church came out against it recently, didn't they? You, well, can't, like, you can't split ashes in Germany. Mm. Yeah. It's against the law. Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. But here, uh, here you can do what you like. Yeah, no, because I have a friend who brings parts of her granny everywhere she went because her granny always wanted to travel the world. No. And so that's, that's what she does. Whereas I would have an issue divvying up ashes because to me it's somebody's body yeah. and I'd sort of feel I don't want them to have the right arm and them to have the left arm. Do you know what I mean? To yeah. me, that, but it's a very personal thing. But I think that would be something I would have liked personally to have been decided before the event because I think that would be up to the person. Well, and I'm sure Jonathan's the same. We treat ashes with the same level of seriousness mm. as a body. We record it in the same way. They're safely and stored. We ensure that they're collected and signed for by the right person. Do you find, um, sorry to cut across you, do you find an awful lot of families you know, you can ring them a good few times and just leave the ashes there. I find that amazing. Mm. Yeah, we've ashes there mm. for years and I phone regularly and, ah, yeah, no, we're not ready yet, Jonathan. We'll tell you when. And you Well, know, every every couple, five or six years, Jonathan, we, we bury maybe five, six, seven sets of ashes in a grave, which yeah. we can reopen if needed. Mm. Yeah. This is where we have run out of road. We've tried... 15, 20 times mm. to contact the person and they've just gone off the grid and they just don't want to deal with it. So at least we know where they are, but we can't keep storing them. I think yeah. that speaks so much to the power of how these things affect us and how denial and not being able to, to yeah, face, you know, absolutely. that's what this podcast, I mean, it's all about the different facets of grief. But one of the things about grief is not everyone is having these healthy kind of process where a lot of people mm. can't face it because it's so it's such a, a huge moment in their mm. lives. It really and is. A, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about. You know, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but maybe we can just talk a little bit about how you guys come in, how the process works. So for me, it was um, both my parents died in a hospice. And then the next morning I, I was visited by, a you know, a funeral director and we kind of went through choosing what was needed. Um, but none of it was really it wasn't done in advance. It was all done that morning, like where I was kind of and I did it, you know, with my sister. We just kind of made those decisions. How does it work? How does it normally work when, when you're in that circumstance? So uh, uh, every case is different. We would always recommend that the family come into us, you know, to con- control conditions. Sometimes if you go to the house or the hospital, the phone keeps ringing, people keep coming in and out. Mm. You, you know, you're in it, your little office space and you go through the process. You try and explain to the family what's going to happen next. You know, you're obviously going to say we're going to take a few little notes here and try and get a, an idea of what they would like, mm. as in what the deceased was li- would like and then what they would like and try and gel everything together. And it's, you know, not every funeral is the same. I would say, and Gus will totally agree with me, like every single day I learn something new. Every single, somebody comes up with a different idea and Gus will also agree in this. Nowadays, it's much more personal than, say, our father's times where you just did everything the kind of Catholic church wanted or, you know, the local mm-hmm. rector. You know, you had your removal, your funeral. Whereas now, there's so much more that you can do. So we'd sit there and listen as much as possible. I mean, you know, that's suppose that's the key to life. Anyways, listen and then guide them. Yeah, guide them. When I meet a family, first of all, yes, there's an initial bit of explanation required because they're hearing words really they might have only heard in the, on the TV or in movies mm. like coroner and mortuary and death certificates. Mm. 
So that needs yeah. explanation because the whole system there that kicks in when someone dies and you might in the have, state. Yeah, and you might have to do it two or three times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that has to be explained mm. because that will dictate perhaps when the funeral can happen. Mm. Then I try and paint a picture once I've had a chat to them when it's a church funeral and we want to go to Glasnevin or we want to go to wherever or we want to go to Spain or I try and paint a picture of what's going to happen for the next three or four days. So they can actually see it in their head. Okay, well, yeah, Wednesday we're doing this and Thursday we're doing that. That's fine. And then I fill in the, the other lines. parts to yeah. it, whether it's wording for an announcement or flowers or live streaming or you know, which uh, a humanist settlement or whatever's needed, you, you build that mm -hmm. around it. And I find, I'm sure Jonathan agrees, that once you've painted the picture, you've had that 40, 45 minutes, shouldn't go over an hour. Families are too tired to mm -hmm. concentrate longer than that. You can see them relax and go, OK, mm -hmm. right, well, Jonathan knows what we want. Mm -hmm. That's it's fine. a reassurance. Yeah, isn't it? it's a reassurance. Yeah. Exactly. That's the right word. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones, join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. What is the hope that the emotional, that the process, the whole process of, the, of a funeral, what is the hope that it kind of give someone and the emotional journey that they go on because I think everyone does feel there's, there's probably commonalities in what people feel throughout it what would you guys hope that a funeral would do for someone well I hope that three weeks three months afterwards they can reflect on it and go okay we might have done a few things differently mm. but by and large we marked the moment in the right way and if they say that to me I'm happy mm that we've done that in very simple terms mm. totally agree yeah mm. absolutely in one way it's sort of the last sort of I mean the person's never going to have a birthday again they're never going to have you know a party whatever so it, in one way in my view it's their last their send off party yeah. it's their send off and it should sort of reflect um, the person and maybe you know how they live their life I think you're right I think yeah. everybody should think that way I mean you know yeah. my own father it's alive and going well his whole idea is that his funeral 
he wants to basically have a party. You know, he celebrate his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He basically, look, it is yeah. his last time. Yeah. You're not going to see him again. Yeah. It's all over. And he literally yeah. wants us to take the, rock the yeah. house down, you know, that's I the mean, way he wants to do it. Yeah, I mean, we sort of, we had ACDC going back down the aisle for Martin's, but it was sort of, which the rector sort of, it was the one thing he was happy with the photos. He was happy with mm. all the other tunes I picked, but it was sort of that was the one he held off on. But he let brilliant. us in the yeah. end. I do that. Um, Good. Um, yeah, 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 I would do that as well. <laughs> you see, I think he thought it was going to be Highway to Hell. So I think that's <laughs> <laughs> he got a bit um, upset. Would you recommend? I mean, I sort of personally felt just from a planning point of view, and also um, just to make sure, I think in my own head that we were doing everything that I wanted to do, and it was the right send up. Would you recommend to people? not rushing into something is there a standard amount of days people should wait would you say perhaps to people take three days yeah or well, does it depend from my point of view I do try to get them to go back and just I really think about it it's a bit like you know when you think of something in the middle of night don't send that email in the middle of the night wait till the next morning yeah. kind of stuff like that and then you know from an overall organisational point of view myself of course would always recommend a couple of days you know because yeah. there is people who will literally come in today at 12 o'clock and want to be buried tomorrow mm. we have yeah. those people it was a real traditional thing in Ireland a long time ago they literally would go they would have yeah. the moving the night before but yeah I, I yeah, absolutely it, it has slowed down Yeah, I would yeah. say the average funeral is nearing five days now yeah. when I started it was two three mm. yeah. with it all over mm. um, you know this is a before social media and Really, the internet and people didn't know. Mm. Yeah, they missed, yeah. Oh, I heard your man was gone. Yeah. Oh, no, he's gone. That's <laughs> yeah. all done. Yeah. But when, you, when you think about how long you take to plan, like yeah. a fortieth or fiftieth, oh, yeah, or a wedding, or a wedding, yeah. it sort of seems ridiculous that somebody's last big sort of hurrah you just it's go rushed, take yeah. well, I, w- I would love if everybody was like you now it would be absolutely fantastic mm. you know it really would because mm. I just can't understand you know people do need to reflect on the decisions they've made and they mm. just think but we will always say as funeral directors now just take your time you know have a think about it and call us back and as I said earlier on I'll repeat myself a couple of times just to yeah. make sure that it's going in that you know they're so focused yeah. on one thing you yeah. brought up something so interesting about live streaming Mm. And like that is so amazing that people traditionally, especially in this country, who family members, children of some a parent or whatever would be gone and not able to come home for the funeral mm. and suffer lifelong problems with never having closure or not having been there or guilt. We're starting to see a change there because people are able to be virtually be there. Is that happening a lot more? Well, some facilities like permanent funeral facilities, say like Mount Jerome, would have a built in camera system. Uh, a lot of the churches have just a a fixed camera. Mm. It's not wonderful quality, but it's there and you can hear it and you can see it. And, you know, this has been going on for quite a while. Yeah, no, in fairness, we've built a couple of funeral homes in the last couple of years and we put it in. And amazing, you know yourself, there's a problem with the broadband that goes down, like, you know, the funeral director ring me, oh, John, it's gone down, what are we going to do? I said, relax, get out your phone and just live. Facebook it, it's fine. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I said, get the person and they'll do it, no problem. And they go, Oh yeah, and yeah. like you know, so you could see a couple of people yeah. doing it for that particular person, yeah. and it really worked yeah. out really yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that's one thing because uh, one of my best friends is actually in South Africa at the time, and it was um, it was sort of like at, on the actual during the thing, and she went apparently afterwards. She was like, "Oh, should, we should have done Facebook Live," but it's just again, mm. it's one of those things. You yeah. don't think of you don't even think it's an option, probably. Yeah, like, but I'd yeah. say this to you guys: a lot of the time at a funeral, 
people will come up and they'll have these ideas you you need sometimes step back a little mm. bit and go oh, hold on a second let them do it like yeah. I'll often say you get a, a certain family member and they'll try and do everything no if they want you know miss, let, let them go and do it themselves or you know like live streaming let them let somebody else in the family because it'll be someone else oh mm. we should do that oh well mm. you can go and do you know yeah. you're more than welcome to go and do it rather than putting too much pressure on yeah. one particular and what about member. like filming because I've heard people actually filming the whole thing. The whole yeah, thing. there's there's a yeah, there's yeah. a couple of companies that will yeah. uh, film a service, and then an hour later it might be put up to a platform that's password protected or even up mm. on YouTube and people wow. can and again that's personal it. choice that's a great thing if somebody yeah. wants to do it fine but what you'll have is in that particular mm. time that's where it's brilliant where we started this whole piece yeah. is that the family or deceased should have really this and, and know that this is going to happen because yeah. I'm telling you a lot of families will hate that I've seen people come in take photographs in the coffin and some other family member slaps their camera and mm. there's a big row over mm. this and you're going what what you know but I think that isn't that the most divisive yeah. thing yeah. that somebody really, really the yeah. family yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it sort of just yeah. becomes just but if anybody's you know. listening to your podcast, you know, these are the type of things you need to think of. Yeah. Oh, do you want it filmed? Do you want a photograph yeah. in the coffin? Like, you know. And it'd be good to have that kind of laid it, like, just like we're saying, laid out early and in advance. Yeah. One of the things is the eulogy. Um, that it's, I don't know, I, I, you almost see people like, it's like something takes over and people generally tend to do a pretty good job at them. But I don't think a lot of people know about what goes on in like, do you guys have any tips for the person who's been chosen? I think a lot of people don't know when should I write this? How am I going to write this? Where am I going to do it? How long should it be? Yeah. What, you know, am I going to make a fool of myself? Am I going to cry? Now you're asking funeral directors here, so you know sometimes even from you two probably give a better answer than mm-hmm. than we would because we obviously attend funerals every day uh, where possible, maybe you know two or three funerals, yeah. and the best advice is obviously to talk about the person that's died not about yourself which often happens and kind of keep it sensibly long you know and that's purely up to the person yeah. that's doing it you'll know the crowd I don't know if there's 150 80 and 90 year olds you know they don't want to hear about what Paddy did over the last kind of 100 years yeah. but if you're talking about a young person to a young crowd you know you've got the time to talk mm. about it again it's kind of it's nearly like common sense yeah, I don't know. I'd say of all the I don't know I tried to think how many funerals I've been to I could say I count on the fingers of two hands the really great eulogies that mm. I've heard that's it and what was mm. the commonality in those do you the think? commonality was the person could really speak yeah. mm. I think it's cruel to ask someone who's a bit mm. 50-50 or is too close and too upset yeah. to do it that said I'm sure Jonathan would agree I'm amazed sometimes with the strength of some immediate family members even in the most tragic of situations and they do get up and they speak and they speak brilliantly about the person mm. I mean that that is awe-inspiring that they're able to stand up in front of three, four hundred people and do that and it is amazing uh, Gus is right a particular person in the family is just a better orator than the other person mm. in the family and you're just hoping that the better person gets up to speak because mm. they will do a better job it sounds terrible to say but they will and they will kind of show a picture of this person's life and again it depends what you want to say mm. do you want to tell the funny stories yeah. do you want to make people laugh I think that helps though doesn't yeah, it, it a does. bit of humour definitely yeah. oh, it lightens the mood uh, almost, almost essential yeah it's up there with the best man's yeah. speech I'm trying not to curse yeah that was tricky try not to that is so hard the cost of funerals I know that can sound a bit of a crass thing to talk about but it is something that comes up 
a lot and it is expensive I mean mm. you know I was a bit put out that Martin's coffin was more expensive than my wedding dress but anyway <laughs> there is there's a sort of there is when somebody dies and if it's a young person particularly you'll see a lot of GoFundMe pages or it's an expensive thing for a person and especially if it's sudden it's an unplanned for expense what would you recommend to people in relation to that again it's a bit like what we started if you have an idea of what you want it's like anything in life you're going to spend as much as as you want to spend Mm. you can come in and if somebody said look we've absolutely no money you know he didn't want to spend any money on his funeral you know it will not be expensive Mm. no matter who you talk to yeah if somebody comes in and they want all the bells and whistles it's going to be expensive and mm. it's as simple as that like and I wouldn't in, in in general terms I actually wouldn't say funerals are expensive because if you talk about it, it's one person and you're burying them once I know what you're saying but I think it, it's, it's like so if you're sending your kids to school and you choose school that's going to be seven grand a year yeah. you, you sort of plan for mm. that you yeah. sort of go okay well that's going to cost me by six by three kids okay blah but but on another side would you not think well I'm going to die at some stage I need to put something in place but that's and what I'm then, saying yeah. would you yeah. encourage people putting oh, even absolutely. start like almost like a pension oh, we do. to be going we yeah. do yeah pre-need as it's called in the industry I don't like the term industry no. pre-need okay yeah I don't pre-need like it either. I don't, it's yeah. not very um, pervasive in Ireland but in other more maybe more mature markets like UK and US mm. it's maybe 15 to 20% of every funeral that's conducted is prepaid oh absolutely mm. I think it's a societal insurance. thing yeah um, cost of funerals um, always comes up I just think it's people forget the range of things that it includes and also certain items can really skew the cost and certainly mm. if you're buying burial space in Dublin the least you're going to get to spend on that is three thousand to buy a grave. Wow, the so least, it's not just rent mm. and that's before you've no. that's before you've uh, you've done anything. Mm. So that's that is going to skew skew it. Um, I think the seven seven nature of the whole business. Jonathan has staff. We have staff on duty, Christmas Day, mm. every single day. We've an ambulance team on standby. We're open on Sundays. Uh, we've got a staff that mm. and we've got to pay mm. the staff properly mm. I don't I really uh, it would worry me that there would be a race to the bottom in terms of how we pay mm. the people mm. who work for us we ask them to do a very difficult job it is a very difficult job I think that's one thing that a lot of people would that isn't obviously involved in the business would say is how do you do that job how do you deal mm. with people day in day how do you go yeah. to funerals and I know you're not directly related to the person but there must be some that you just well, go, clearly oh we're God. mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, at, look at he's frothing yeah, yeah, yeah. over there. Um, I, I, the only reason I'm in in the business is, is genetics and DNA, and I'm sixth yeah. generation. Yeah, I think John's is the same. You're third. So yeah, there are plenty of times when I I question my own sanity. There are moments which do make it worthwhile. I think it's um, people remember you for what you do. Certainly, mm. if you've done your job well. Mm. Um, you get to meet everybody. It's a very rapid job. It's you're making instant decisions all the time. So there's, if, if if you're the sort of person a that's a people person and b likes getting things done and organised, this I mean it very much is that. Yeah. Um, but yes, there's some so some really, really harrowing uh, cases, harrowing yeah. situations. So and the really harrowing ones probably there's a natural inclination to forget and move on, and there's always another funeral of something a little bit more normal. Uh, mm. that you're dealing with mm. and you do and I don't take it home 
I don't. That's the key. I don't. don't you can't it take it home. Yeah. So when you're in the moment and you're there, whether it be eight, ten hours, twelve hours in the day, that's your function. But the minute you go home, so I go home and I see the kids and I just shut off. You know, as mm. in I cut it out because if you are to think about it, I mean, ninety percent of the time, maybe even more, it is a celebration life. It, mm. You know, people. You know, they know they're going to die. It's those kind of five, ten percent where it's harrowing. Yeah, somebody drops kids, dead. Yeah, yeah kids, yeah. and absolutely. So, in terms of empathy, we talk about empathy so much on this podcast. It must be hard to be in that space because you do. Like in my experience, when I sat in and I was planning my parents' funeral, there was a lot of empathy shown to me. Um, when you're in it, so not not later on in the day, but when you're in it, I mean, practicing empathy yeah. like that, really radical empathy. The oh, person's absolutely. in the worst yeah. moment of their life and you're sitting a stranger beside them. Mm. What is that experience like? Well, we, it's, you know, you have to have a natural ability for it. Yeah. So obviously, I think everybody in Gus would be the same. All our funeral arrangers, the funeral directors are... You know, they're natural. They have natural empathy. Yeah. Uh, you, the minute you see, obviously, everybody comes in. You know, there's like a little probationary period, and you assess them, if they and you have can, that, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, one might get by it, but it's very rare. And it, it literally, it's just so important to just have that natural empathy. So I don't it's like think a vocation. It yeah. is. That's yeah. that's really yeah. I often say that actually, it is yeah. a vocation, and a lot of the people that have come to work with us. You know, they love it. It mm. is something that they've either always wanted to do or they've, you know, we have people who were with us who worked in the banks, they're accountants, and they hated that, mm. but they love yeah. being a funeral director. Yeah. They love being able to help people. I think, like, if you're there and it's just your job, you won't survive. Gus yeah. will have you out the door, mm. I'll have them out the door, immediately just go, oh, here, I have to go at half five. There's none of that. Mm. You need to be able to make sure that you're there to help the people. And as Gus says, like, you have to obviously be able to pay them well enough that yeah. they don't mind staying. Like, mm. And again, it's not a, you're not going to get into a battle over, you know, oh, I, I can't do this. Mm. Everybody, they kind of shorten their lives nearly to help other people. Yeah. So maybe they were supposed to be home at six o'clock to pick up the kids, but their family's with them. You know, they'll stay then and maybe because Yeah, you're hardly going like, to be trying to like yeah. rush out the door, look at your, yeah. at your watch. I yeah. think... Um, that's hard though because like doctors or nurses you can't really have a bad day you know you're like mm. if you there's, there is a similar I think there's a similar mentality mm. to a doctor or a nurse certainly in A&E who are dealing with and they put on their professional hat when they go into work at 8 o'clock in the morning mm. and they deal with some awful stuff and mm. some really good stuff mm. you know fixing stuff yeah. and making people better but yeah. they, they also have a lot of bad news mm. to deal with and they they certainly any any friends of mine that are doctors um, there is a there's a collegiate, almost trench-like mentality mm. in a way. I think that they, they develop and learn. You're not going to, yes, you may be naturally empathetic, but you do have to learn it as well, I think, mm. Jonathan. I think you have to prepare yourself for it. That's a life skill, though. It's not like most people uh, that come into the industry are, you know, in their kind of 40s, 50s. Been around the block a bit. Yeah. yeah. So I think they've already naturally learned that. I mean, what do they think they're coming into otherwise? You know, you're going to be dealing with people no matter what, even if the person's 80 or 90, like one of my best friend's dad died there last year and like he was really, really upset by it all. You know, he was 83 and he was dying for a long time mm. and I was taken aback by just how upset he mm. was. Like he could barely talk to me and I was taken aback. Mm. So again, teaches me another lesson. That yeah, when you're, yeah, I you know, learned that lesson very early on. Mm. I made a value judgment about just as Jonathan did I prepared myself to think what I felt this person should be feeling because the person was 98 and had a mm. fantastic life and they were devastated mm. this was the worst thing ever and I mm. part of me went okay uh, people do with this yeah, differently I'm not going to judge yeah. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. Uh, not I'm not going to judge them. Yeah, that is like a big thing that we've talked about on this <laughs> podcast. People yeah. feel judged in their grief and people judge grief and all that kind of stuff. How, do you, how you deal with it? Yeah, mm. I mean... Do you encounter that where people are kind of like always feeling like I should do this, I shouldn't, maybe I should do this? Like they're worried about other people's expectations. And I say that when I'm arranging a funeral, I say, guys, remember, it's, you know, don't worry about everybody else. Like you get to see some, some families getting all caught up. Oh, we're going to be five minutes. And I say, listen, you're going to be five minutes. So what? Mm. Oh, uh, you know, Paddy's not going to make it in time. He'll be fine. We'll get him here. You know, stuff mm. like that. You don't judge. And you try and teach them that. It's just, mm. it's the funeral director's role, the funeral arranger's role. Just say, look, it's okay. Mm. We'll manage. It's mm. fine. And it is, it is kind of stressful situation. Situation, all right, but once you can kind of manage that and say it in a tone that they go, all right, this fellow knows what he's talking about. No matter what we do, and I said it earlier on, something happens every single day. I learn something every day anyway. So a case of I'm trying to then teach, you know, families as well at the same time, because as you guys said, they ha- a lot of people haven't been through this before. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they listen. Most people do. I think. Yeah, I think it's a different situation, possibly every time, because even if you've lost someone, an- another person might be closer to you or might be sort of... Do you know what I mean? In a different mm. position. So each funeral or each stage would be different. Yeah. You know, I, I often, in a different um, headspace. when I'm with, with a family, and I, I, I'll tell them, now, listen, you're going to get randomers saying weird stuff to you. <laughs> this is because, true. You, you, that's so great. Because, you say that to people. Yeah, no, I do it as well. Because <laughs> they're, they're, well, the reason is they're very nervous yeah. about meeting you and talking to you because mm. you've just had a, a yeah. bereavement. Yeah, we've talked a lot And they say, oh, I, 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 let's yeah. play golf. You know, yeah. no, no, it's Those not the right thing. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also with the, you know, I- Irish traditions are quite different. I know we have people that listen to us um, in the UK and in America and lots of other places, but Irish traditions, like the shaking of the hands, right? That goes mm. on for an extremely long Never. time. A lot of weird stuff is said. Should you bring hand sanitizer? I don't know. There's just so <laughs> much. That goes on Probably, yes. Probably. <laughs> like... Is that still common practice? And are people do people kind of who who maybe have been to a funeral or two go? I don't want to do that. It's it's a very it's a lot for someone. Well, the removal kind of uh, in the last number of years in Dublin, particularly, that has been replaced because, from my experience, loads of people hated that part mm. where they're standing at the top of the church and they're waiting there for a half an hour, forty minutes, shaking hands with people they don't even know, yeah. mm. and that really, from 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 our, our point of view, within yeah. our own business. Uh, all the families said, oh God, I don't want to do that. Mm. So they don't mind outside the church in the morning because they kind of pick and choose. People go, well, there's no point in me going, I didn't mm. know that particular yeah. person. So and I think, you know, that's probably a big part mm. of it. And what's mm. replaced it, actually, we're doing, and I mean, we've designed a new facility where it, it's a gathering place in the evening and it's kind of replaced the removal a little bit. Because oh, there is still an element where people are worried, oh, well, Billy and Jack will miss it because they're working. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the removal was kind of for that. I, I mean, the removal was a Dublin invention. Oh, it's not. A, it's not a right of a church, a church at all. And it was. It was the big employers uh, didn't like people taking time off <laughs> work to go to funerals. Oh That's God. funny because I read that it was the Catholic Church. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah, I, oh, I, I debate <laughs> there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Talk to you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I actually. I mean, like, I think you know the whole. From my experience, it seems to be certainly if it's a younger person, if something at home or at the house seems to have replaced anything like that, sort of, you know, just a, a word mouth gathering, you know. Yeah, I, I think, we, be, you know, we're, we're just becoming less churched, the, you know, mm-hmm. and that's reduced. We're just catching up with everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. We're not, I agree. It's not yeah. unusual. Yeah, it's yeah. not unusual at all. All throughout Europe that would be relatively common. 
and I totally agree a younger person and then it depends on the circumstances sometimes if it's like elderly parents they don't really want you know to be making tea and sandwiches so they'll use the funeral home for that and then you do see people and they often say to me oh god I was worn out after that we had two hours of people coming in and and it's again they didn't know half the people and they're coming up to me oh I knew you know Paddy back and whenever so that drains them so Mm. again or as you said earlier Mm. on it's kind of nearly sometimes a private just for close friends and family thanks we'd see everybody else tomorrow at the church and that's fine you know Are there more people bringing up, um, Venetia brought this up obviously with Martin, um, where they wanted to play music. I feel like that's a very common one where you want to play a song that isn't a hymn. um, And maybe people are even afraid to ask if they can because they've kind of heard that you just can't. It's like a given that you can't. Is that changing? Well, I mean, all the churches have rules and regs. Yeah. Catholic Church in particular on music, strictly speaking, it's to be church music. Usually there is a chance to play something non-churchy at the end mm, rarely. at the beginning but a lot of them you know rail against it rail against uh, it they yeah. didn't do you remember um, there was an announcement that there should be no eulogies yeah and about two weeks later Albert Reynolds died <laughs> and his funeral was in Dublin and it was televised live to mm. the nation and there was four eulogies <laughs> I'm open to correction but there was at least three yeah yeah that didn't help yeah yeah, yeah. but I don't think I mean I think the Dublin diocese came together and realised oh look we can't get rid of yeah. the eulogy and you know I think either some of the priests start do it at the start of the, at the mm. of the mass now most people do it as the, the traditional time but in terms of music like we'd always recommend to have it in the crematorium if you know the local priest or whatever doesn't want to do it mm. and then human service they have we have services in the funeral home we built a new funeral home Bally Firm it's huge and you can literally have a service there have whatever you want you know whether it's a civil service human service and play all the music you want mm. because I find in those particular cases it's really just a big eulogy it's literally 45 minutes of a eulogy mm. so different people take different mm. stages because obviously you have the liturgical side is gone and then they may go yeah. on because from the sometimes they don't go to the crematorium at all because you don't need to you've done everything you need to do in the funeral home Is that something though you'd recommend to people to think about before they decide even where they have the service I mean I was very lucky because my sort of pally with my my, my local uh, rector and you know he came to me somebody actually from where I live had passed away two weeks before and he came to me with the order of service and was suggesting stuff and I was like no we're having this 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 and this and he was like that's grand that's cool have won him and you can have whatever else you want so I sort of did a deal Um, but if I hadn't been allowed that would that be sort of a case where you go okay well actually do you know what I'm having it somewhere else yeah yeah. for some people that would be a deal breaker absolutely and actually for certain people certain parts of a funeral are the most important thing Mm. I'll give you a slightly humorous example uh, if I may you Mm. may you're allowed we like you so so, uh, I get this phone call and it was an awfully nice man at the end of the phone gas yes look um I booked the yacht club for lunch on Friday. <laughs> I probably know this um, person. <laughs> I, booked the, I booked the yacht club for lunch on Friday. Uh, is there any chance we could have mother's funeral on Friday morning? So I said, well, okay, I'll just take some information. And what's mother's name? And it was mm. a very long treble barrel name and living in some beautiful castle somewhere in Fox Rock. And then, uh, and, and where, is, where is mother at the moment? I said, oh, that thieving nursing home somewhere in Black Rock. <laughs> And I said, now, okay, was it last night or, or this morning that, that, that mother passed? <laughs> oh, no, she hasn't gone yet. <laughs> <laughs> so lunch was more important. <laughs> All about the lunch. Keeping on the theme of inappropriate questions, was it kind of an exciting... I know this is a terrible thing, but exciting that this has started to happen where you guys are there rethinking the funeral. 
because for so long it was this like you go here you go do to this, this church you do, do it this way, and now there's this opportunity but to that do was it. a perception of yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was exciting but it is from a motivational point of view or even from doing something every single day it's brilliant that yeah. you have all these different choices doing the same thing all the time mm. the monotony of yeah. it I mean my father and probably Gus's father they were worn out from it over mm. the years they literally go oh my god whereas we have so much variety variety like every day even mm. coffins but, have changed but often people come and sit in front of Jonathan mm. they know what they don't want and mm. usually they don't want to be in church but they don't know what they want mm. yeah, yeah so Jonathan go well you can do A, B and C or 1, 2, 3, 4 mm. bum, 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 bum. but that's putting a lot of pressure on Jonathan to be an event organiser yeah provider of solutions that's which is so what we've always is. done yeah it is yeah. Um, so We've got better. I think I think all the companies in Dublin uh, and the rest of Ireland have got mm. better at maybe making suggestions that, that will work. Yeah. yeah. You think work work have for to be uh, a family. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is there a little bit of like reading between the lines and reading as into like judging people by their personality? I was going to say that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I was going to say that. You have to suggest, yeah, assess yeah, absolutely. the person. Yeah. And hopefully as you sit there, and as I said at the start, you listen and just mm. uh, the more they talk then you can start going okay maybe you'd like this and obviously then sometimes you go oh no god I don't want that mm. you know but it's rare enough I think when you sit with someone for 45 minutes to an hour you usually get a good idea of what they want mm. I hope so otherwise I'm not doing a very good job but <laughs> as Gus said the key is you're there to make sure that you've done a good job effectively yeah. you know to listen and I would say the most important thing is that and again, I hark back to it, is that everything goes well. It's what they wanted, you know. The family, they all have a talk. And as you say, I know it's difficult sometimes even when a family is split or, you know, there's a a few issues in the family. But even then, they come back and say, thanks for that. Mm. We did. We took your advice. And, you know. It's a lot of responsibility. It is. Yeah, the hard part is, you know, for that person, Mm. for that nearest next who can, the husband, the wife, the brother. It's the only funeral in Ireland in the last 10 years. Mm. Absolutely. And they don't want to know that Jonathan has another six on that, that morning. No. So like from a, a practical oh, point yeah. of view, yeah. from a logistical, a logistical mm. and just a whole geography point of view, that's the challenge that Jonathan has every morning mm. and us as well. So I suppose after a long time, you get better and better at it. And you, But you, you have to rely on a hell of a lot of people all the time to get it done. So it's our suppliers and third parties and staff really have to be on their A game mm. every day. The team is so important, yeah. Mm. Like everybody around you, backing you up, helping you out. Because obviously we're not always around, so we do need a break. You know, Gus probably does his 10-day shifts or 12-day shifts. And at that end of that time, you do need your break, you know. Mm. You need to go off and... Certainly my wife wouldn't be too happy when I say, oh, no, hold on, I, I have to delay that few days. <laughs> not too pleased. So yeah. I've learned to stop doing that. I used yeah. to do it when I was younger and it actually would drain me. So thank you anyway, both for coming in and doing this episode today. I mean, as Sasha and I said at the beginning, it's something we both wanted to do from the get go, because I think having been through it both ourselves, we realise how important it is to celebrate the person. Mm-hmm as they were in the right way and in a way that afterwards you can always go well we gave them the best send off Gus Nichols from Nichols Funeral Directors and Jonathan Stafford of Stafford's Funeral Homes thank you very much thank you very much for having us Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 